Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. In a marvelous way. Father, we thank you this morning to be in the house of God, gathered with the people of God, those washed by the blood of the Lamb. We sit here with an expectation to receive from you the goodness of God, for every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, Lord, and that you bestow upon us that sentiment and the urgency to be found right with you, that you would embrace us, embrace our families, and keep us safe, Lord. Uh, Rebuke the devourer in your name, that he not come to kill and to steal and to destroy any expression of who we are, our families, our marriages, our children, our possessions, Father, we pray that you would put a hedge of thorns around this place, around our lives, and that you cover us with the blood of Jesus and allow your angels to encamp around the the house of those who fear you, Lord. We pray with an expectation of you showing us the way that we might inherit your great and precious promises. We pray that we would have an understanding of these things and offer up to you the best of our lives, Lord. We pray that uh, you, your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that you fill us with the peace that surpasses all understanding, that we have an expectation that leads us to inexpressible manifestations of joy, Lord. Uh, The joy of the Lord is our strength. And we pray, Father God, that we would continually seek your face and that we might walk in your wisdom. And that thereby inherit promises, Lord, through patience and perseverance. We thank you for being the answer to this world's problems. We know how to point the way to times of refreshing, to times of great harvest. You have the good seed planted in our good hearts, Lord, and give us good fruit for your glory. That we not be ashamed upon your appearing. That we might have a great expectation of your return And be found ready, Lord, not by our merits or by our strength, but through your grace, Lord, that you help us draw nearer to you and allow your word not to return void today, but that we might fulfill that which we see in the scriptures, Lord, unto life eternal. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. Um, As I was reading Psalm 122 this morning, I hope it's your same sentiment as was David's in verse 1, When he says, I rejoiced, 122 verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That that should be the sentiment of those who worship, uh, that have uh, purity in their hearts and they have nothing controversial that keeps them from rejoicing as they come to the house of the Lord. In this type of corporate worship, uh, I know that many of you um, have a relationship where um, it's, it's mutually blessing. It's a, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 21 says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Um, really powerful. I don't know if your eyes have ever run out. What do you do when, you, when, when your eyes can't see? 
you start putting your hands in front of you so that you can feel your way until you, there, you could turn on the light or something. Uh, so the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head say to the feet, uh, I have no need of you, because if the head wants to leave this building, the feet have to cooperate. How many say amen? So that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the expression of what the house of God refers to us as we rejoice, as we enter into the house of the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 122, verse 2, our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. Uh, God is, uh, the Bible says, preparing a dwelling place made out of living stones of which we are those. Um, verse 4, that is where the tribes go up. Every one of the families are going to move in the direction. The tribes go up because they are the Lord's tribes. They belong to Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. So, so in our thankful hearts in the house of God today, uh, the Bible promises that those who love the gathering of God's people, um, verse 6 says, they may, may those who love you be secure. May those who love you have peace and prosper. May, may, may the result of us being here cause us to thrive in a direction where this world doesn't have. Verse 7, may there be peace within your walls, prosperity. Um, that, that's the expression of what God dispenses amongst his people. I, I don't know, I don't even know how to pronounce it right. Um, what's the new drug that they are bringing in by tons into the America? Fentanyl. So you know what fentanyl is? Fentanyl is for people who have no peace. They're trying to have a altered state of existence and it's taking the land, but, but Jesus says, I'm gonna give you a peace not like the world gives peace. I'm gonna give you a peace that lasts, a peace. Uh, the reason they use the word prosperity because uh, shalom uh, is the Jewish expression of peace uh, comes from the root word shalak, which means prosperity. When you are prospered and provided for and things are going well, you are secure and you're settled. You have no rush. You, you have no anxiety. You have no worries. Um, the youth had a special song. Well, where is it? Let's, let's bring them up because these youth are on fire and, and their pastor is buck wild preaching and we have a special here this morning for God and for you. But, but get an awareness because God is not, your worship is not in vain. Your worship is leading you in a direction. And I commend you for seeking the face of the Lord. And as you seek more the face of God, I, I want to suggest, you guys just going to come up here and get settled in. And I'll, I'll move myself now. Um, as you seek more the face of God and the, the presence of God and the purpose of God, more and more prosperity will be your reality. Now, if you fudge and you play around with your worship and you become like a Gentile worried about running here and running there to provide for yourself, then you will have the inheritance of the Gentiles, which will be, he says, the Gentiles run to and fro seeking 
what they need, but you don't because you have a heavenly father who gives you what you need in that season and the time. Let's go ahead and receive these young men and women that are on fire for God and they have a special song to the Lord. Uh, but don't let it interrupt what we're talking about. Just, just as we, we fade into them, you continue to worship and then we'll fade back into what God has for you this morning. You guys need this here? I don't, you fine? Good morning, church. We have a special that we wanted to sing. Um, last night we had an incredible time at youth group. Um, God has been really speaking to us. How many of us have been blessed by the word of the year of, of perfecting our worship, amen? It really has been. I know the youth have been impacted um, last week and, and yesterday night. Um, and, and yesterday night we finished with a, a song and it's called uh, Monday Morning Faith, and it's such a powerful song. And, and the youth were super, super impacted, and, and we believe that maybe someone uh, this morning might need to hear it, and, and it's such a powerful song. And so what it's saying, it's saying, God, I'm done with religion. God, I'm done with, with my relationship with you consisting of only meeting on a Sunday, on a two-hour service, and I want my relationship with you to go past that. I want my relationship with you to be something that is an everyday thing not just you meet with god on a sunday and you say goodbye to him no god wants a relationship with you and he seeks a relationship with you and so that's what this song says and so the words are going to be on the screen the words are super powerful and, and just hope it blesses someone this morning
your faith If it only leads to empty praise What really makes darkness run Is when the saints arise and praise and quiet Hell's not scared of a Sunday faith Like I was saying, we don't only worship God on Sunday. What an awesome song. 
I'm telling you, I, I, you heard me talk about them before they sing that song, and it's, it's a reality. These guys are on fire for the Lord. And um, I just pray that, that our church would be a reference in America, that, that people could see how we love God and how we worship God, and that they might follow our example. Um, and we know and we have a sentiment that God has put us in this city for a purpose that people might witness our devotion. And they are, they're looking. And especially when you call yourself a Christian, they, they look even with greater intensity to find out the legitimacy of your walk with the Lord and that we not cause people to stumble because we, we're not giving our all to our God. We are talking about going to the house of the Lord with rejoicing, a place secure, a place of peace, a place of prosperity. And while people are seeking all manner of pharmaceuticals and fentanyl to be imported to a country that has forgotten their God. And, and you guys don't know the amount of parents that are losing their children to these overdose drugs because they would not take their children to the house of God and teach them how to worship, that they might be filled with what the Bible calls fullness of joy in your presence, O oh God. And so if our children would be taught how to worship the God of glory, the King of glory, if they knew how to walk to the house of worship and live the life that God intended, the Bible says in Hebrews 1.8, your joy surpasses that of your companions. God is God forever. He has the measure of righteousness, the measure of his kingdom, verse nine. Because you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, that, that distinction of knowing what to love and what to hate, God will anoint you with oil of gladness more than your fellow friends and that's the difference between our youth here, where one of the songs that we have and they sang last year and we recorded called Restored, uh, Melissa says, I've never needed any enhancement drugs or any therapy for sorrow or despair because in his presence I've been restored. Amen. And that is our reality of our testimony. And it's not, it's not just... Um, words, it's the substance of a life that we have been taught to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. If, if you don't accomplish that, that appetite, we're going to call that uh, the culinary etiquette of this house is that we love the things of God and we will feast on those things and we cannot, we do not like the things of this world and that's why there's great joy. Pastor Brandon said last year in one of our men's conferences, when I saw how my parents live their life in God, it was so attractive that I didn't need to go to the world to look for anything. I want the joy my parents have. I want what I see at home. And so that's what our kids are pursuing. And it's criminal. It's, it's really bad that you're born in a Christian home and your parents 
are more excited about something else than the God who has been there with them the whole time, the God of provision and protection and purpose. So that's what we're doing here this morning. As we read Romans 11, verse 33, the culmination of these things that we continue to share about, and you should be well-versed in these things. You, you shouldn't be a light, superficial Christian. It's good to say, yes, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's, that's superficial, and I'm glad that your kids watch VeggieTales. That's superficial. But if they would know the depth of the riches, see, now, now we're talking about, and look what, what Paul says here in this book. Oh, the profundity. I like that word, profundity. The profound, the deep things of the riches of his wisdom and knowledge. How, how, how deep do you go or do you just continue at the kiddie pool? How, how far down do you go into what God has for you that has to move you? And, and I always say the same thing. As Jesus gives the parable of the pearl of great price, he says the man was going along and then boom, he finds this incredible jewel, a pearl of great price. He goes and sells everything he has. He's compelled that that is greater than all other things. And so I, too, say that I have found that. I found that the most precious reality of my existence upon the earth is to know God and to give him what he's asking for. And so some people say, well, you should become a politician or you would be a great mayor of Miami, or you agree be a legislator. I, I don't discount being able to carry responsibility on an earthly realm, but I'm not going to neglect my calling in the things of God. And, and I, I found myself in that regards as a lawyer. We, we were representing many clients successfully, and, and it was fun to, to defend. That's what an advocate does, to represent the interests of your client. Um, but when you start searching the depth of the wealth of the wisdom and knowledge of the things of God, you're, you're selling out. You know, when I met Jurgen's father there in Switzerland, Jurgen's father is a diamond broker. Um, so he has a safe that's like one of those vaults in uh, the banks. And when we went to Switzerland the first time about 15 years ago, we, we walked into his office, and, 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 and Jurgen told his dad, this man saved my marriage and my family, and he did it without money. He didn't charge me. So he, he was like trying to say, Dad, there's something more important than your diamonds. My very life, my marriage, my family. And this is the man who, who brought me to Christ and rescued and restored our home. So the father was, was really impressed and he goes back into the vault and he picks up six bags. They were the big glad bags of diamonds. And, and he walked out and he goes like this and he says, he showed me the diamonds. And as soon as I saw what he was showing me, I said, poor soul. When he gets to heaven and sees a real diamond, he's going to flip back. <laughs> because what he has is dust. Those little bits of diamonds are nothing compared to if you see it, if you ask God to show it to you, 
then you will not pursue the earthly riches because they pale in comparison. And if you don't believe me, ask somebody like Elvis Presley or Kobe Bryant that everything they live for on this earth is gone in one second. And the words in the Bible are, you fool. Tonight, your soul is required of you and you have nothing to show for it. Because you started, you wanted to grow on this side of eternity and you left the other side of eternity. Uh, another wealthy man here in Miami years ago, we witnessed to him and he says, I have built an empire. He says, I came here with $100 and now I own, they call him the Biscayne Baron. He bought all the hotels and all the lands and he's, he said, I built an empire. I said, my friend, in heaven, you don't even have a skateboard. You, you can't even. In heaven, you're going to be walking because you haven't treasured in heaven. Everything, I said, I told them the only thing you, down, you did was bow down to mammon. That's a result of serving mammon. You, you have an empire. He passed away uh, two years ago. Uh, he's going to realize where the real empire is. So this is what we're talking about, the depth, the riches, the wisdom, the knowledge of God. How unsearchable. To be able to make decisions like he makes decisions and, and to find his ways. That's, that's one of the reasons that we worship. We want to find out his ways. His ways are, are going to take a lifetime for us to pass down to our children. And there in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, um, I know the plans I have for you. I know the thoughts I think towards you thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope that the, the plans of the Lord when you worship God and follow and make decisions like he wants you to make them it expands the horizon and we're talking about Psalm 2 verse 8 where he says ask of me in your worship you you ask of me and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance there was a time in my life that I never thought I would even get to Hialeah or to Sweetwater. I didn't have plans that, that had purpose and expanse. But he says the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth for your possession. When you, when you worship, you, you see the phone calls start coming in to the purposes of God. And when you're absent in your worship, you see you fall short of the depth of the knowledge and the wisdom and the judgments of God past finding out unfathomable, untraceable. How are we going to get on God's track for our lives? There in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, he says uh, the things that are written. See, your life is, is not a matter of determination and slack and lack. It's impossible for you to miss what God has for you. You ha would have to purposefully neglect and to put it away from your pursuit. But the eyes have not seen, nor have the ears heard, nor has it come into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. This journey of incredible expanse 
and, and way beyond what your eyes have seen, way beyond what anybody has told you, has not even entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared. So to pursue these things is no fool. That's what this guy, I think it was uh, Tim Elliott said. He is no fool who loses what he cannot have to gain what could not be taken away. You, you, you know, as we are talking about these things, and we're talking about them because we're reading about them in the Bible. I wouldn't have, uh, I tell people often, I don't have my heaven and I haven't written a Bible. All I do is, is look into this wonderful book and see all the wealth. That's why some person told me uh, the Bible is the most boring book I've ever read. I said, because you're not an heir. Uh, this is a last test of will and testament left for the heirs of this fortune. And since you're not an heir, it is boring to you. You're not living it. You're not enjoying the, what it talks about. But this, this was the first verse that I heard when I became a Christian, that my eyes would never see, my ears would never hear, my heart would never fathom the things God has prepared for those who love him. Why? Because I wasn't seeking those things as a priority. They weren't my reality. Uh, I was sick and tired of generations of my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my, my father, my uncles. All of them had pursued earthly gain and prominence and came to nothing. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. We, we read it extensively there in the book of Job. Um, I think it's Job 20 verse 4. Do you not know? Do you not know this of old since the first man was placed upon the earth? There's something that, that there's been a track record of men who've lived upon the earth and they all have gone over the cliff and have not reached their their glory because they didn't seek the glory of God. Verse 5, um, the triumph of the wicked is short. The joy of the hypocrite is for a moment. On the earth they have great expressions of, ah, the Bernie Madoff. All these men who, who but for a moment think that they're living life, but short-lived it is, comes to nothing, um, it says, though his head, you guys back there, find the verse that follows verse 5. Though his head reaches the clouds, through, though his haughtiness mounts up to the heavens, his head reaches the cloud, verse 7, he's going to be flushed down the toilet. He will perish forever like his own excrement. Those who saw him We'll see him no more and say, where'd he go? Go, go track these men who have lived without God and have pursued other priorities to see how short-lived. Um, find out where their children are now. So you see that you don't want to repeat that. And that was my case. I didn't want to repeat the, the glory of earth and then come to nothing because the foundation is flawed. I wasn't building on the rock. I was building on the sand. And so I would have given my children horrible foundations. 
where they would have seen great demise, a desolation, a destruction. And so here, that whole, you read it later, Job 20 to verse 29, I believe. Let's read 29 real quick. This is the portion that God has given the wicked man, and it's an inheritance, a heritage appointed to him by God. All those things that happen in Job 20 are the result of men who didn't worship God. And you'll read it once after another, once after another. That's not going to be me. It's not, say it, it's not going to be me. I'm not going to walk in that manner of my forefathers who've come to naught. I want to offer an inheritance that is assigned by God to the righteous. And so it is this, this expression of unfathomable, untraceable ways. Romans 11:34. we would continue to read, for who has known the things that are in the mind of God and who has been his counselor? Who, who needs to help God with figuring out how he could prosper me? You, do you have any ideas? Do you, do you tell God, hey God, shh, don't talk, I have some ideas for you. And God from the heaven says, shut up, fool. You can never reach what God has designed and planned for your prosperity and for your blessing and for your goodness. So, so shut your mouth. Listen to God. Who is going to counsel God? Verse 35, as Paul is describing these things, uh, or who has the first given him, who, who has... <laughs> Who has had to bail God out that God needs to repay him? The answer is nothing. God is always bailing us out. Who has first given to him? When, when God messed up making a decision, who came to say, okay, God, since you made a bad choice, I'm, I'm going to lend you of my, my... It's not going to happen. It shall be repaid to him. Uh, Paul is saying, Paul, Paul, Paul is, is shutting us down here. Verse 36, for from him... For of him and through him and to him are all things. He is the source. He is the catalyst. And he is what is supposed to receive the glory, power, and honor for the things that he has bestowed upon us. To whom be glory forever. Amen. So this, this, this puts it in a concise form. Um, if we have understanding for these things, we will be able to respond what the next verse is in chapter 12, verse 1. That was the last verse of chapter 11. So he says, because this is real and true, how many say amen? amen. We could read it a thousand times. Because this is true, I beseech you, I beg you, I implore, I want to get your attention, my brethren, by the mercies of God, give yourselves entirely to God and to his plans. Because this is true, quit going on distracted detours in every rabbit hole offered to you by the devil as the proverbial carrot in front of the donkey's nose. You guys seen that in the cartoons? Put a carrot in front of, the, and he never eats that African carrot. So my, one day I was saying, freaking carrot. 
I said, no, it was not African, it was uh, African. Why do Christians, or why are we chased all over the place instead of presenting our bodies as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable to God? Because this is where you should gravitate to naturally in your reasonable service. If you were nothing and he bailed you out, why doesn't he get everything? When, when he pulled you from, from darkness to light, why is there still a, us lawyers call it bifurcated? Bifurcated means there's two levels. You're serving God on Sunday, a little bit during the week, maybe a missionary trip during the year, but the rest of the time you're worshiping mammon and serving the things of this world. And, and this is what we're doing in, in, in 2023. The Lord has led us to the place where we're going to perfect our worship, call to give our lives, our bodies in response to all he's done for us. I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I, I can't even believe what God has done in my life. And I cannot give enough of myself, my time, my talents, my energies, my devotion my purpose, my schedule, my calendar, to lay it at his feet, to see what he wants. And, and I'll tell you something, for whatever I could have pursued my own desire um, in every realm that he's done, uh, when, when I get saved, the Lord allows me to restore my education, and I become a lawyer, and I, I practice law, and, and I make money, and and I serve the community and, and I'm worshiping the Lord. And, and one day the Lord says, okay, your time at the law office is over. And the people says, are you crazy? How could you walk away at, at your highest point when you, now you have experience, you have reputation, you have credibility, you have a, a capacity, competence. I didn't have anything when Jesus met me. I didn't, everything I am is because of his grace and goodness. How could I act dumb now and say, now that I am the bird road baron? My law office there. And, and no, no, all that Paul says I consider dung, trash, compared to the excellence of moving in his plan for my life, which is a lot greater. And then I didn't know that his plan for my life involved you. I didn't, because every time I prayed, it was all about me, 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 me. Lord, use me. Lord, I want me. I want me. I want me. And then if you do that, if you say, Lord, put me in the place that you designed me to be, is to be servant of all. It's not about my pursuit and my accomplishment. I live to make men champions, that they might pursue the greatest expression of who God made them to be, uh, at my expense because that's what Christ did on the cross. He gave himself for us that we might give ourselves for others. Is that part of your gospel or that's not part of your gospel? I am crucified with Christ. He was crucified, but now I'm crucified and I no longer live. That where I live from now on is to live according to his design and his purpose. So we have that presenting ourselves entirely to God 
which is our reasonable service. We're talking about specific acts of worship. Um, some people don't know why I don't like yoga. And, and those of you that are practicing yogas, um, <laughs> repent. The devil's going to tie you into a knot and position you into the python position and, and uh, utter groanings. And all you're doing is worshiping Satan. And, and yoga pants could be burned together in the pit fire also. Because everything has become do yoga with a goat. What is yoga with a goat? What's that mean? <laughs> yoga with your pet, yoga with your chihuahua. Listen, as, as the, instructor, the instructor leads you to different positions in your bodily, okay, now we do the whatever. I don't know the names. I've never done that. Uh, they're not stretching. You're bowing down. Your body is taking the forms of Eastern Hindu religion and, and you're worshiping what you do not know. And so America has bowed down with a wave of this yoga that's in every park, every gym, every, every community center for the curse of the family. Uh, driven primarily by women. Women, wake up. If you're a woman and haven't rebuked somebody for doing yoga, you're not Christian. You, you need to get, know what these people are doing. And uh, the Bible talks about worship from day one as an expression of what the body does. And we said that from, from day one. Worship, the word means bow down. It's a physical posture of your body. And... You see that those people in days of old would position their bodies in a manner that would communicate submission to God. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of times when the Jewish people would repent, they throw themselves on the ground, they rip their clothes, and they throw dirt on themselves. And the reason they do that, they, they in, in their historical uh, research shows they believed that if God saw them in a humiliating scenario, God would lift them up and God would cleanse them off. So, so in that regards, they used to throw themselves on the ground. They used to rip their clothes, just, just tear their clothes apart. And they used to throw dirt on themselves. And they said, if they did that, the God of heaven would, would lift them up. If they would, would, manifest that behavior it involved parts of the human body to show enhanced expressions of submission to god that's what's happening in the posture that worshipers take in the bible a lot of these verses show the men watch what it says in psalm 50 verse 23 he who offers a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving honors me and to him who places his life in order, his conduct, I will show my salvation. So if you get in the posture that appeases God, God is prepared to launch you in the direction of his salvation for your life. And in that, in that particular verse 22 is awful because it says, now consider this you who forget God. Because if you do not take his posture, you do not take his conduct, you do not take 
the enhanced positions of humility, he will tear you to pieces and there will be no one to help you. So that, that is always the contrast. There's, all, there's always, a, we, we talked on Wednesday that worship is not inconsequential. If you worship, you'll see the expression of his mercy. If you don't worship and you deviate importance in another direction, he uses the word, I will annihilate you. And, and some of us are the expression of that, of how God has annihilated us because we did not worship him. Consider this, lest I tear you to pieces and there be no one to help you, you who forget God. You who, th- oh, Sunday, oh man, I missed it. Oh, men's group, oh, I missed it. Oh, Wednesday, I missed it. Lord's Supper, oh, I missed it. You're forgetting God all the time. I forget to call my mom. Don't forget to call your dad. Don't be- Listen, don't forget don't forget to worship your God and give him your excellence. Um, I, I, I tell you the truth, and, and, and since I know these things for 25 years, I've invited people to find another house of worship. If your worship is so lame, you're going to neglect God, go find another church that meets once a month like you like to meet. Go find a church that meets three times a year. Go, go become lean in your worship so that you get that same response from the Lord. We were reading Deuteronomy 16, 16 last week, and we said you're to come three times a year to present to the Lord during the feast, and you shall not appear with empty hands. The place of worship should be the greatest expression of how you prosper. How has God prospered you? That's how you should prosper the house of God. That's why this house is an excellent house. You see the manifestations. Every time somebody walks in this place, they're like, man, when do these people pick up the the offering? That's going to be, you're going to die, Miguel, right? You're going to rot in your seat. When Miguel Vidal came here the first time, his wife brought him. He says, as soon as that pastor talks about money, I'm out of there. And, and he sat, and then three months later, he came into my office. He was upset. He's like, hey, why don't you pick up offerings? I go, you're going to rot in your chair before we're going to ask you for money. Because giving God money means that you're blessed and prospered and appreciative. Amen. You worship the God, with, not with empty hands, with what God has blessed you with. Verse 17 says, every man shall give as he's able. God's not going to ask you what you don't have according to the blessing of the Lord which he's given you. I'm not going to ask you for money. That's your problem with God. And if you want to cheat and steal God, that's your problem too. I hope you don't think that up in heaven you're going to get away with it. I hope you don't think God plays games like that. That's not the message today. The message today is worship. And we're learning how to worship, and it's, it's postures of our body. And the Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Verse, Psalm 34, verse 1. Well, how, people tell me, how long do I have to pray? That's your problem, buddy. I love to pray all the time without ceasing. Like you do, you're complaining. See, the difference is an expression of gratitude and the other one is, is, is complaining, bitterness. I'll bless the Lord at all times. When do I have to bring my tithe? All, all you want. 
There's no restraint on how you're going to bless your God. And I'm not going to meddle between you and your appreciation. If you don't tithe, if you don't offer, if you can't give, your problem, sir. If you abscond and take your objects of worship to other places to lay them down at other feet, your problem, sir. I know who saved me. I know what he loves. He loves the house of God. So this is where I spend a lot of my time. Because it's where my God loves to spend his time. Wherever there's two or more gathered in his name, he's there. He loves this place. And those who love him love the things that he loves. And our praise is continually in our mouths. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. I'll bless the Lord at all times. So who do my kids love? My kids love who I love. They love my God. They love the house of my God. They love the word of God. They love the people of God. They love the ministry of God. And that's the greatest gift you could give your family is to make this place a place of refuge, a place of strength, a place of security. And now the worldly people hate this place because it's a reminder of their fugitive lifestyle. They visit every restaurant in the world, but they can't visit the banquet table of the Lord. They refuse to eat at the table of our God. So in this regards, we will praise God continually, and there is no restraint, there's no limitations. Psalm 9, verse 1, 9, verse 1, I will give thanks and praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will tell aloud, I will tell it out loud. Of all the marvelous works the Lord has done. You ready to hear my testimonies? Are you sharing your testimony of what God has done in your life? That's a form of worship. Reminding God of what he's done. Verse 2. I'm going to praise you with all my heart. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing in your name, O Most High. This is what we do every service here. We sing to the Lord. One of my favorite songs to the Lord is Psalm 40, verse 3. My wife loves it. I will sing a new song to the Lord. I change the words of every song I know. And she's like, that's not how you sing. I said, that's my song. I can sing it however I want. The melody might be, our God is an awesome God. But he's put a new song in my mouth. I will praise our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. They'll come and, and acknowledge the king that I serve, the God that I serve. Psalm 72, verse 11 says, Yes, all the mighty men upon the earth will bow down before him. All the kings will fall before him. All the nations shall serve. How many know that? How many know that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord? It doesn't matter. It's the most anti-God, atheist, unbeliever, agnostic, indifferent, irreverent, ungodly person they're going to bow down their knees and they're going to confess that jesus christ is lord all the kings will bow down before him all the nations will serve him verse 12 for he will rescue the needy when he cries for help the afflicted and the abused also in him and him who has no helper will find his help in the lord for he will have compassion on the poor and the needy. He will save the lives of the needy. As we were seeing these verses, God continues to confirm them through his word. I love Isaiah 45, 23. 
He says, by myself I have sworn the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that to me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall take an oath. They're going to confess that Christ is Lord, Philippians 2.9. Because God has exalted him highly and given him a name above every name. Because God has highly exalted Jesus, giving him a name above every name. Verse 10 says, every knee shall bow. All those created in heaven, all those upon the earth, and all those under the earth. Verse 11. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. There's going to be a time where, where people will be confronted with their absent worship. And they will hit their knees. Psalm 95 verse 6, come let us worship and bow down. That's what the word worship means, to bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Let us bow down, let us kneel. It's, those are good postures of enhancing our humility before the Lord. And he, he's attentive of those postures. He's attentive of those postures. Don't think that when you kneel down that he's not taking notice. He sees that. He acknowledges it. Verse 8 says, do not. Let's go to verse 7. For he is our God and we are his people, the people of his pastures, the sheep of his hands. Today, if you will hear his voice. Verse 8, do not harden your hearts and become spiritually dull. Do not choose the place of testing in the wilderness. Verse 9, like your fathers who tested me and tried me, even though they had seen my work. Everybody has seen the work of God. Everyone has seen the presence of God. They decide whether they're going to bow down or whether they're going to kneel or whether they're not. And so God is teaching us today that we shall not only bow down and kneel down, Psalm 28 verse 2 says, Hear my cry for mercy as I call out to you for help, and I lift up my hands towards the heaven to your holy sanctuary. This I was saying that last week. When I first got saved, I couldn't raise up my hands because I wasn't surrendered to the Lord. When they put a gun to your back, you go like this, you surrender. But I wasn't surrendered to the Lord, and the people says, Hey, Joaquin, why don't you raise your hands? I said, Why don't you mind your own business? Because I couldn't, I couldn't show my hands. My hands were not pleasing to God. And so I started like this. Uh, one day I, put, I went like this. And everybody's singing my hands down here. Nobody could see it. And they're like, what are you doing? No, nothing. And then as you surrender, you, you start raising up your hands. And now you are totally surrendered to God. And you're saying, God, everything I am is yours. And everything that you have for me Bring it this way, Lord. This is the radar right here. Land right here. I'm raising my hands in your holy temple like you take pleasure in. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not going to be ashamed before men that you not be ashamed before me, before the Father. So you raise up your hands to the heavens and you say, Lord, lead me. Grab on to me. Grab my hand and direct my steps that I could follow in your ways and in your purposes. And not be ashamed and not be withdrawn and not be isolated and absolutely not be absent. 
Psalm 141 verse 2 says the same thing. Let my prayer be set before you as a fragrance that when I pray it smells good, that it not be a stench, that it would be aromatic. The lifting up of my hands as the offering of the evening sacrifice. Let, 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 let it be pleasing to you, Lord. I'm, I'm here where I'm supposed to be lifting up my hands so that my family receives what you have for us. You lead us in the way we should go. Every head of household should lead his family towards the worship of our God. Psalm 63, verse 1, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul is thirsty for you and what you have for me. My flesh longs for you in a dry, desolate wilderness, in a desert that I've led my family out of the worship and presence of God where there is no refreshing. So I have looked, verse 2, for you in the sanctuary. I want to see your power and your glory. I've looked for you in the house where your people gather to see your power and your glory in my life. Verse three, because of your love in my life is better than life. Your loving kindness, what you have for me is better than anything I could have for myself. My lips shall praise you. And then he goes on to verse four. He says, thus I will bless you while I live. And the way you bless the Lord is lifting hands in your name. I I marvel because there was once in our youth group when I got saved, a young girl, and she was like, she's like so shy. And she, and the pre, she's withdrawn. She didn't. And then I go to a dolphin game, and I look down there. I see she's a dolphin cheerleader. And she's jumping and kicking and flipping and running. And I'm like, hey, you, what you doing? Get that in church. Get that back to church. Kick. We're going to make room for the girls to kick in here. Wow. To praise God, to jump and to shout. And, and, and we do that for the natural things, but not for the goodness of our God, where we can bless him in his sanctuary. Bless the Lord. Psalm 134, verse 2. By lifting up your hands in the sanctuary. Psalm 134. I lift you up. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. So that you might bless the Lord. A lot of people are like, Lord, bless me, bless me. I go, How many, when are you going to bless the Lord? Put your hands up there and say, Lord, here it is. Get this blessing, Lord. This is a sign of my surrender. This is my sign of, of you know, I'm giving you what you want instead of always having what I want. I'm going to lift my hands to the sanctuary. Why? Verse 3. Because you made the heavens and the earth. You're the, you're the one that, that deserves me lifting up my hands. Lamentations 341, let us lift our hands and hearts and hands. The, the expression of your, the highest place above. Uh, I, I remember I had just gotten saved when I was 16 years old, but I was going to basketball practice and they, they used to make us run with our hands up. And it's just keep your hands up the whole time. It was like a whole practice like this. And then I would get into church. And I was like, Lord, I'm tired. He goes, hey, you just did it for two hours out there. Now in the house of the Lord, give me my offering. Give me what is mine. Lift up your hearts and your hands to God in heaven. There is a, this, is not, this is not pagan religion. This is actually what God tells us to do. Well, it's all Old Testament, Pastor. Okay, for these, those New Testament theologians, let's go to 1 Timothy 2.8. I, 
Paul tells how important it is. I desire, therefore, that every man pray everywhere with their hands in their pockets. <laughs> Lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Without confusion as to what we're doing in this place. New Testament, Paul tells Timothy, make sure that all men everywhere are lifting up hands to the Lord. In that regards, uh, you see a lot of times in the, in the Old Testament, the kneeling down. But there in Ephesians 3.14, Paul says, chapter 1 and chapter 2 says everything God has for us. He says, because God has all these things for us, then let's bow our knees. For this reason, for these reasons, for, for the reasons that merit, bow your knees to the Father. And so we started, we took a break about six months of the men's meetings. And then when we started our first day back, all the men got down on their knees. When we started our men's meeting this year, 2023, because we want to start in the right posture. Amen. We want to start in the right place. Lord, you are awesome. So we bow down our knees so that we inherit everything God has given us. Um, there it says in Psalm 47, verse 1, clapping your hands, all you people, shout to God with voice of triumph. Those, those are two areas that people don't do much, which is clap, clapping your hands, all you people. Uh, you figure out, and I don't want to get to heaven having clapped more for the Miami Heat or the Miami Dolphins or for Tom Brady. I wanna make sure that these hands have clapped for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I wanna make sure my hands are clapping for the King of Kings. Woo! Why woo? Because it says shout to God. To be able to clap your hands, shout. I think uh, I also have here that they even danced as an expression to worshiping their God. You go with me to Psalm 149 and verse 3. Make sure that you're praising God with shouting, with praise, his name, with dance. And so to be able to Mm, 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 mm. What you doing, Pastor? Woo! I'm worshiping the Lord. I got this body is moving. Uh, again, I'll tell you what happened one day with Pastor Brandon. Pastor Brandon started getting bold to talk back to his father. And he was 13 years old. And he comes up to me. He goes, Dad, I have one thing against you. I go, what? That's a, when your son's 13 and he says, he points at you, he says, I have one thing against you. And I'm like, man, where did I drop the ball on raising my son? He goes like this, you never taught us how to dance. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, are you crazy? Of course I taught you how to dance, I told him. See, dancing is all about first you move your head and then your shoulders and then you work it all the way down. These guys had to go looking on YouTube to try, try to dance like uh, Will Smith and the Prince of Bel-Air and all that. But, but no, dancing is, is, is moving for the Lord. And, and have your grandchildren see you dance for your God. 
And when they see you doing the funny, and they're like, Abuelo, ¿qué estás haciendo? Estoy alabando a mi Señor. Do that for your grandchildren. Leave that legacy in their heart. Let them see you have the joy of your God. Don't be a stiff. ¿Qué pasó, Abuelo? Nada me duele todo. No. Dance and let your grandchildren, leave it as a legacy to your home. And so we do that every once in a while at our home. Me and Yvette will get together and dance. And, and it's not like some people grew us up saying, no, dancing's from the devil. No, it's not. Dancing's not from the devil. He stole it from us. Let us sing praises to him with timbrel and harp and all sorts of instruments. Put them all to action. Psalm 72, verse 11, yes, all kings will bow down before him. All nations will serve him. Why? Why will all kings bow down and serve him? Because verse 12 says, because he rescues. He rescues you when you cry out. On the day of despair, when there was no helper, it was God who extended his hand in your direction. And so that's why you serve him. That's why you praise him. Revelations 19.4 says the, they, they fell prostrate. That means they lied down on the ground. They fell down and worshiped God. Have you ever just lied down just flat on the ground with your nose in the carpet? You're saying, if I get any allergies, let them come in the name of Jesus. But you're there, your face on the ground, and that is, that is like absolute surrender for the human body. You wouldn't do that otherwise. Just put your face to the ground and lie down on the ground and say, Lord, I am going to fall down and worship you. Nehemiah 8.6, that's what they did. As they lifted up their hands and they shouted amen, then they proceeded to bow down. They bowed down their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. It's all in the Bible. All in the Bible. And we come from generations of people who refuse to worship God. The only time we've seen anybody falling on the ground is when they were, they were totally drunk. They were totally in, in, in total disarray outside of the presence of God. Not God, offering God their best, but offering up their worst. And God merits the fact that we would do all these things, whether it's raising up our eyes to the heavens, bowing down, our heads, this, this simple gesture of like this, where you just bow your head before the Lord. And we do that when we, when we bless our food uh, and say grace. But it's a continual life of worship that is lining us up to receive the wealth of his provisions. And you will not be ashamed. You will not regret the fact that you worship God. You will never, you will never say, I should have done it less. I think the truth of the matter is this morning, we realize we need to do it more. And so we ask you to, to stand on your feet. And we used to sing a simple little song. Shall bow. Yeah.
today for this message a reminder that you are worthy of all we are that our entire bodies recognize our hearts are lifted up our hands are lifted up our words are lifted up Lord we bow down we lie posturing we kneel before you and your goodness in our lives recognition that it's all of you and nothing of us Lord you want all glory and all power and all honor to come full circle as we consider the deep profound things of God and wisdom and knowledge that it is of him through him and to him all things Lord allow us never to deviate never to be distracted never to give glory and honor not to bow down to other things Forgive us bowing down to mammon, Lord. Forgive us bowing down to worldliness, to material things, to sporting events and teams and players and athletes and celebrities, Lord. That we might give you the best of our lives and offer to you the best of our time, talents, wealth, treasure. Our health is because of you, Lord. We pray that you bless your people abundantly, Lord. You make them increase and prosper, those who love you, those who desire the best for your kingdom and your purposes upon the earth, Lord, that we leave a great legacy and inheritance to our children to always raise up their eyes to the heavens from whence comes our help, Lord. When there was no helper, there was you, Lord. You helped us up. You prosper us. You give us increase. You favor us. The harvest is yours, Lord. Pray that we might be attentive to your ways above the affairs here upon the earth, Lord. That we be filled with your spirit. Like the youth said today, Lord, that our offering and praise go beyond Sunday to Monday to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Lord. And that we might live for your glory. And that all that we do, that our expressions would be a continual worship at all times. Praising you for your goodness. Father, assist us, Lord. Wash us with the blood of Jesus. Cleanse us. Remove from us double-mindedness, Lord. Any distraction that causes us to fall short, Lord, of attaining that which pleases you entirely, Lord. We give you thanks in Jesus' name and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.